Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani welcoming you to another session of self-coaching where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Now, before we begin today, I'd like to remind you that if you have any particular themes or topics that you'd like me to cover in these podcasts, drop me a line, either Go to my website, selfcoaching.net, and you could reach me there in the contact section or directly through selfcoachinghelp at aol.com. Love to hear from you. Today, I thought I was going to put together like a kind of condensed version of self-coaching, a kind of cookbook kind of thing. I've, I've kind of alluded to this in various podcasts, but I want to give you something that you can really kind of put your put your hands or your mind around not your hands put your mind around and be able to apply these self-coaching principles to your life and and i guess that's the the intention of these podcasts is to give you that that foundation that the, the tools that are necessary to really make changes in your life because if you do listen to what i have to say in these podcasts you realize that Psychology doesn't have to be rocket science. It, and if it is, if it's too complex, then of course you need somebody to interpret the complexities. And, you know, I don't care if you go to a shrink, a guru, a shaman, you, you need to realize from the very beginning, you are the person that you need to turn to. Now, of course, if you don't understand all the psychobabble and all of that stuff, you do need someone to interpret. But if we could break it down, to its simplest form, to its common sense form, then why can't you become your own best coach slash therapist? I totally believe that. And I think my, my program of self-coaching is one that can give you the tools to do that. So let's, let's begin. And I'd like to start off with a quote from Pogo. I don't know if you read comic books or comic strips. No, Pogo's a comic strip character. One of the quotes from 1970 always impressed me. And I don't even know what kind of animal Pogo is, but they live in this little swampy thing, so if you're interested. And Pogo says, we have met the enemy and he is us. And I think you need to take that to heart. The enemy, that which trips you up, that which creates struggle in your life, it's not outside of you, it's within you. It's within us. So if I were to begin to give you the distilled version of my self-coaching program, most of which comes from my book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, I would begin by saying there's two words, two words that you must really embrace, and they are insecurity and control. Now, insecurity it's something that we all possess, whether you realize it or not. But the reason I say we all possess it, and it is a matter of degree. Obviously, there are some people that are more uh, insecure than others. And it depends on your early developmental experiences. 
you know, there's no such thing as perfect parents or a pristine world where uh, adversity and illness and death and challenges didn't, didn't exist. But nevertheless, we are born without claws, without wings to fly away. We are we're vulnerable little creatures. We depend on our environment, on our parents, on our guardians to give us some semblance of safety. But at best, we still are challenged and we still develop kind of these insecurity nodules in our psyche. So insecurity by its very nature makes us feel vulnerable. And human beings, well, we hate to feel vulnerable. In fact, we loathe feeling vulnerable. And think of insecurity as the motor. It's the motor that generates a kind of tensiveness. When we feel insecure, we start to feel a bit out of control. And that tensiveness brings us to our second most important word, and that's control. When we feel a loss of control, we naturally do what we can to feel more in control. I mean, after all, we are survival machines. This is part of our evolutionary experience. When we as humans feel out of control, we find ways, some in the physical world and some in the psychological world. We find ways to feel less vulnerable, to feel more in control. So how do we do that? Well, insecurity is the motor. It is also the root of all emotional struggle. And insecurity creates attentiveness, a feeling that we're losing control. And our basic evolutionary instinct, of course, is to regain that control, to compensate our insecurity. So how do we do that? Well, essentially, we start to develop controlling strategies. Now, this is a random thing. It's a trial and error thing. We try one shoe on for size. If it doesn't fit, we try another. Some, some children will gravitate towards defensiveness of worrying and some towards hostility, some towards passivity. So it's all a matter of what trial and error technique seemed to offer that child the best chance of feeling less vulnerable. Now, that behavior, the one, the behavior that made us feel less vulnerable, is going to be repeated. It's going to become a go-to strategy, right? Well, let's let's go over some of the various controlling strategies first. Then think of it as a juggle, a controlling juggle. We all develop these strategies usually at an early age, and we add to them as we go along, but we or we, we embellish. But mostly we develop strategies that seem to give us that semblance of control, at least temporarily so. Think of a juggler who has these controlling strategies. And I mentioned worry. Where Worry is probably the most ubiquitous of all the controlling strategies. Avoidance. It's another controlling strategy. You know, when we feel threatened and vulnerable and insecure, what do we do? We kind of sink into our turtle shell of avoidance. And that gives us a sense of being invulnerable. Hostility. 
sometimes when we feel threatened, we we become hostile and we push the other person away, not necessarily physically, but we display our anger. And this has a way of pushing away that which or that person which we feel vulnerable with. Don't tell me to stop. And you start raising your voice and the other person starts to back off. Compulsivity. You know, we start to really tune into things and we become compulsive about this or that. It's a, it's a way to try to control life when we feel vulnerable. We become compulsive as we try to master whatever it is we're trying to feel secure about. Denial. You know, denial is another way we feel secure. We, we tend to kind of just turn away from the reality of what's going on. And we go on as if it's not going to hurt us. Perfectionism. If I'm perfect and everybody applauds everything I do, then I'm going to feel pretty secure. But if one of those ducks steps out of line, you know, we like all our ducks in a row, don't we, when we're perfectionists? And if one of those ducks step out of line, well, quack, quack, then you feel out of control. So perfectionist works very hard to keep those ducks in a row. So, but these are just examples of compensatory controlling strategies. You may have one of those that are dominant. You may have others that are secondary, or they may all be going on, and you may be a person with many defenses. So you have a controlling juggle, which is a manifestation of the insecurity which generated the need to protect ourselves. And we developed those protective compensatory mechanisms of control, the juggle, the control juggle. Now, what happens with a juggler when they are juggling? Well, they do a pretty good job in those Indian clubs in the air or the, the balls in the air. But what happens if we tell that juggler, well, don't stop, just keep juggling? Well, eventually there's going to be lactic acid build up in the muscles. And inevitably, there's going to be a crash. The juggler will misplace one of the, the balls in the air, and the others will come tumbling down. This is when, I should say, when our controlling strategies fail and crumble. This is where we develop stress. And if stress is chronic enough, of course, we develop anxieties, depression, which in and of themselves can become controlling strategies. Less ditch controlling strategies. Pick anxiety. Anxiety revs up the system. Now, you might say, well, well how is that controlling? Well, look at it this way. If, if you start to get energized and, and worried, and that anxiety is building up, you start to get into the what ifs. Well, what if this? And what if that? And your anxiety starts to... So, it, you know, it's when the... When our psyche gets so revved up with anxiety, we're just wringing our hands. We're just trying to anticipate. We're trying to feel safe, right? So the controlling compensatory behaviors, when they start to get into more excessive problems, they can turn into anxiety or depression. What is, why is depression inevitably a controlling strategy? Well, when life overwhelms us and the challenges become too great, depression is a withdrawal, literally and physically. It's a withdrawal of energy. It's pulling back. It's, in a sense, avoiding life. Uh, it's, it's shutting down the system, disengaging our energy from life. 
cuddling up almost in that fetal kind of defense. So it all begins with insecurity. I want to keep reiterating this theme. Insecurity generates controlling strategies. We develop our own unique array, our control juggle, our unique array of controlling strategies. And we start to juggle. But when the juggle fails, then we start to develop symptoms, struggles, emotional struggles, not always anxiety and depression. Sometimes it's stress. But stress will eventually lead, if chronic enough, will eventually lead to anxiety or depression. And why is that? Well, stress depletes us emotionally and chemically. Think of a bucket. And in that bucket, we have our balancing chemicals in the brain. Dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin. And when we stress ourselves enough, it's like poking holes in the bottom of that bucket and the chemicals drip out. And we no longer can maintain our healthy balance, our emotional balance. We become imbalanced. This is what stress does. And this is why medication works. Because since our imbalance is so significant where our own homeostatic or balancing tendency isn't isn't enough to bring us back to balance. Sometimes medication can do that for us. It restores our balance in an artificial way. But these are the effects, and let's just keep going through it, because sometimes repetition is important. Insecurity creates a feeling of vulnerability, which creates a need to compensate through controlling strategies, when our controlling strategies begin to fail, we experience stress, the stress depletes us, and we now are in a position of emotional struggle. But do keep in mind that anxiety and depression are last-ditch coping strategies. So this is, they're, they're a bit more evolved, if you will, from our typical controlling strategies of avoidance and denial and Anxiety and depression are last ditch, and that's when we really suffer. So that's now that's the outline. This is how struggle comes to be incorporated in our lives. Once you start to struggle, you start to sell out on you. Because now you're in you're in no man's land. You don't have controlling strategies to protect you. You may be anxious or depressed, and you're feeling just totally out of control without recourse. And this is a state of chronic struggle. So does that mean that once we reach a state of anxiety and depression, that that's it? There's no turning back? Of course not. And the turning back has to do with that which was eclipsed as you grew up. And that is your self-trust. Think of it as a muscle. Your self-trust muscle was, I say, eclipsed or buried under the weight of your insecurity. And the compensatory strategies came about, and rather than develop more self-trust, you abandoned trusting yourself more and started to rely more and more on your strategies of control. So because you never developed that self-trust muscle enough, then, of course, you relied heavily on the controlling strategies, which have disappointed you now, which have failed you. Now, does that mean that it's all over, as I said? No, of course not. It just means that now we need to go back to basics, and that's to build self-trust. Self-trust is the end game of my program, self-coaching. 
It is that which eliminates anxiety, depression, emotional struggle, because with self-trust, we go from a state of insecurity to security, from vulnerability, well, we become invulnerable, because with self-trust, we believe we can handle life. So when you think about all your struggles, especially the psychological struggles, don't you feel like you can't handle such and such? Don't you feel like when you have that loss of control, you are out of control? There's nothing you can do about it. You get anxious, you get depressed. But with self-trust, you can rely on yourself. You don't have to have all the answers. You have to believe that you'll weather any storm, as you have time and again throughout your life, and that you'll find your way. That's what self-trust can bring. See, self-trust is the ability to believe in yourself, that which has been eclipsed by insecurity. Keep in mind that you know your own. when we think about ourselves and we think about who and what we are, insecurity distorts that self-perception. And more than likely, we've become identified with insecurity. When someone says, well, I don't know, I'm just, you know, I'm not okay. Well, that person's telling you that they've identified with their insecurity. They've come to believe the messages of insecurity. And plain and simple, when you get into the insecurity identification, you've lost faith in yourself. You've lost faith in yourself to handle life's challenges. And there's only one way out that I know of that works for me and that has worked for my patients, and that's to ferret out the insecurity-driven thinking that occurs day to day, hour to hour. It helps to know the past, but only to kind of amplify what we're trying to get at. We don't need to dissect the past. It can help us give a little bit more dimensionality to why we're insecure. But but we don't need to get lost in the weeds of the past. We need to get in touch with the distortions of the moment. How do we do that? Well, keep in mind that insecurity has its own vocabulary, its own language, if you will. And insecurity speaks primarily in terms of doubts, fears, and negativity. So if you're trying to break the habit of insecurity, then we need to realize that we cannot go on willy-nilly, unconsciously, reflexively allowing ourselves to identify with insecurity and, and here's what's important, to continue to reinforce insecurity, to feed it. So it's absolutely imperative that you realize that the process of getting to self-trust, which is the end game of struggle, requires that you begin to starve the habit of insecurity. And that means getting in touch with doubts, fears, and negatives. Now, you don't have to monitor every thought you have. The doubts, the fears, the negatives are the ones that stir up some stress. Sometimes it's a visceral response. You, know, you feel your blood pressure rising or your stomach churning. You know That's a good time to take a look at what's going through your mind. But like I said before, it's hard when we're identified because it seems like that's our reality. I'm reminded of a schizophrenic patient I worked with who tried to convince me that she was being targeted by the CIA because the robocalls she was getting at home was the CIA checking in to see when she left her apartment. And for her, this was proof positive 
that every time these robocalls came through, it had nothing to do with the call itself. It had to do with her answering. And that tipped off some CIA agent or something. Sounds weird, though, doesn't it? But yet, what about you? What about your story? Do you buy into what insecurity is telling you? That you're not okay? That you'll never find happiness? Are you a prisoner? Not of your delusions, of course not, but of your distortions. You see, this is what insecurity does. It generates distorted fictions to which, over time, you've come to identify with. In a sense, you've become your insecurity. So when we think of who we are as adults, we tend to describe ourselves, at least to ourselves, we tend to describe ourselves in insecurities terms. Those negatives that we see, those doubts that we see, the fears, these are the things we embrace and see as ourselves. I'm such a sham. If anyone ever knew who I really was or what I really thought, we buy into the insecurity story. And I put story in quotes. It's it's the insecurity story that has come to rule us. Why? Because we've reinforced it for how many years? It's a habit. It's formed a habit loop in your brain. That's the neuroplasticity. Now, when we get into neuroplasticity, we're talking about since habits are, in fact, anatomical occurrences in the brain, habit loops, if we neutralize a habit, we can replace that with more adaptive thinking, and we can rewire the brain. That's why it takes time. You know, it's not, you can't just convince yourself. If you've gone your whole life loathing yourself, you could try to say, I'm okay. And maybe you'll get lucky, but chances are it's going to take some time for that new story to replace the old story. So expect some resistance. And you could try, I always like to say, look, if, you, if, you're, if you're not feeling okay, however you want to interpret okay, if you're not feeling okay, then try to use the, the as-if approach. Go on as if you are okay. Just, just say, well, maybe I am okay. Just to try it on for size, to feel it, to taste it. What if? What if I'm wrong? What if this negativity I feel, this self-doubt that I feel, this fear I feel of my life, what if that's insecurity? And what if it's not me? What if it's a habit that I'm somewhat unconsciously feeding and reinforcing? If it's a habit, we know that all habits are learned and all habits can be broken. And what am I going to do about it? Well, you start out by saying, well, let's let's experience being okay, as if it's true. Just try to get your arms around that, your mind around it. I guess your, your mind doesn't have arms. <laughs> try to get your mind around feeling okay. And every time you have a doubt, a fear, or a negative, try to catch it. Ask yourself, is that me? My mature, healthy mind thinking those thoughts? Or is that purely the reflex of insecurity being expressed? At least you're in a position of choice because you could say, well, I'm certainly not my healthy me. And it certainly sounds like it's my defensive, insecure me. So what are you going to do? Well, you can at least, once you're in that place of choice, you could begin to start to dissociate 
well, you know, I still feel that way, but now, you know, I'm beginning to feel maybe, maybe it's just that habit of insecurity. Call it that. Call it your habit of insecurity. And we're breaking habits. So we've got to get to self-trust. And the only way you're going to get to self-trust is by removing the clutter. See, self-trust is there. It's sacrosanct. It's within you. It's inviolate. It's, it's, it's just been covered over. Once we remove the clutter of insecurity-driven thinking, guess what happens? We release the capacity for self-trust to believe that we can handle life. And I tell people, once you start to feel, once you start to sense that self-trust, then you're in a position to say, when it comes to life, whatever it takes, I'm going to be happy. Whatever it takes, I'm going to find what I need. See, that's what self-trust does. Now, of course, the opposite of that is the doubts, the fears, the negativity of insecurity. Oh, so, no, you're not. So put yourself in a position of choice. Is that me talking or is that my insecurity? From that position, you begin to say, now my job is to starve the habit of insecurity. Thought by thought. This is going to take time. It's going to take patience. But you'll be surprised. Once you reach a tipping point, it becomes easier. Once you start to see the sham involved in insecurity-driven thinking, and once you realize there's no reason on God's earth why you see yourself as not okay, not good enough. There's no reason, no real reason. The only reason you've ever given yourself, well, well, you haven't ever given yourself a reason, have you? You've just identified with insecurity. Insecurity doesn't need a reason. It had you hostage, and you don't need to be a hostage any longer. But in order to free yourself, you're going to have to neutralize that habit. You're going to have to practice over time, and you're going to have to stay motivated. And that's why I say it's psychology, it's neuroplasticity, and it's coaching or motivation. So I, I think that's as close to giving you a full glimpse of if you were to come and sit with me in therapy, this would be where we'd be headed to try to resurrect your self-trust muscle. And I would be there each week to remind you where you cave in, where you're allowing yourself to be deceived, where you're allowing yourself to be duped by insecurity. But you could do the same thing. Remember what Pogo said, we've seen the enemy and he is us. Stop becoming your own enemy. Become your ally. Become an ally of self-trust. It's the answer. And if you are tired of living a life of fear and struggle, well, that's okay. You turn it into motivation. Turn it into desire to, to work this through, to neutralize the frictions of insecurity. And remember, whatever it takes. So visit my website selfcoaching.net. You'll find lots there. I'm trying to get more involved in my blogging and all this kind of stuff. So I got a lot of stuff there, but check it out, selfcoaching.net. And until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, well, it's not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless. And you're not powerless. And remember, everything's hard until you make it simple. So join me every week. And what do you say we make it simple together? Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your 